Greetings. Welcome to my 17th podcast, the last of three from a non-fiction volume called Vignettes, Thoughts, and a Classical Exit. Back when I was 27, for a period of a month during the fall, I put my life on the line with my motorcycle every evening. What I'd do was I'd scream at a cathedral grove at 100 miles an hour, count to 30, and then gear down as quickly as possible in order to enter the right angle turn at the end of the half mile or so stretch at a maximum of 20 miles per hour. With the sun dappling through the fall colors, which domed up over the sky above and completely covered the road below, there was virtually no point of reference whatsoever. Arms locked in the handlebars and eyes utterly lost in the streaming mandala of colors, I faced instant death every moment of the way by smashing into a thousand invisible trees on both sides or wiping out on the greasy slide below. A fraction of an error in direction or timing at any point would compound itself as the seconds rolled, leading to oblivion. But for some reason or other, necessity perhaps, I never made an error. That brief period in my life was the first and only time I've ever deliberately placed myself in immense physical peril, and the only time I ever will. Why young men feel the urge to challenge the gods like that was and remains a mystery to me still. Just north of Wyarton, there's a very nice little middle-class motel called Spirit Rock, where I sometimes stay in the off-season, the last place, despite its name, you'd expect the numinous to occur. But one night I loudly kicked over a large whiskey bottle in a unit there, stubbing my big toe painfully in the process. Three others and myself looked down to see how big a stain I'd put in the carpet, but there wasn't one. No bottle either. Just a sound of invisible liquids glugging out an invisible stain from an invisible bottle. While I stood there laughing like hell, the youngest of the three crawled stubbornly about for an hour, covering every square inch of the broadloom, trying to grasp the ungraspable. A desperate look on his face, a puzzled frown etched on his fevered brow. As the years roll, loss of dignity becomes a commonplace, but when you're a teenager, there's no greater misfortune than being centered out the butt of a general guffaw. When I was 13, I was madly and shyly in love with a girl who seemed to like me too, but who chopped me cold one day when a hot dogger a few years older showed up and started giving her the eye one afternoon. Now, I've never been one to enjoy another's misfortune, but a few hours later, after he had made it clear to everyone that he had scooped my girl, I confess... When his pride bit the dust, I experienced genuine satisfaction. What happened was a classic. We were all crowded around the dock, taking turns trying to water ski for the first time. When he bullied his way in, flexed his muscles, and announced to an admiring throng of girls that he'd take off from the dock itself and on one ski too. Pretty impressive stunt, when you consider that I and the other guys were skinny little toothpecks who couldn't make five feet without landing on our prepubescent heads. The gods, however, were kind. They placed a nail in just the right spot to tear off his trunks as he gave the signal, ripping a sizable hunk out of his ass for good measure. As we all stood there hooting with laughter, he looked back over his shoulder in horror, face as red as his bloody cheeks, to see his conquest abandon her hero with a wicked grin by placing a long and sensuous kiss on my virgin lips. It wasn't long after that previous incident that I was considered adult enough to take out a motorboat for the first time. After careful instruction particularly in the art of docking, I was given the go-ahead by my dad and slid out into the bay. Being naturally cautious, I satisfied him quickly from afar, so he settled down to a little fishing and await my return. Gaining confidence by the minute, I decided to throw him a fright by roaring up to the dock in a sweep, 
to give him a soaking before circling and putting in sedately to the inside of the pier for mooring. What I didn't realize was, there's always a lateral drift of some kind when you do that kind of maneuver. So I misjudged and wound up sailing on a crest of water right up and over the dock and my father's prostate body to plop perfectly into the exact spot I was supposed to tie up. By the time my dad had stood up, shaking, I had my lines all worked out. Figured it was the easiest way to dock, Dad. Want me to do it again? His eyes drilled into mine with astonishment and suspicion, seeking the truth. But all I gave him back was brown-eyed innocence. So he said, No, son, better not, ever again. Somebody else might try it and kill themselves. It isn't often a kid gets to buffalo with old man like that. And in some peculiar way, he was so proud of what I'd done, I could never in after years bring myself to admit the truth to him. Back at the turn of the century, the wife of the mayor of Paris was scooped up by an escaped gorilla one Easter Sunday, carried to the top of a tree, stripped, raped, and then dropped into the arms of a large, fashionable crowd looking up below. If she'd only had the sense to faint, he might have made president. But as things turned out, the poor fellow got laughed right out of office. Everyone knows a full-grown bull gorilla's only got a two-inch dick. But she carried on so up there, you couldn't tell if it was from fear or ecstasy. In the former, everyone could forgive. But if it was the latter, who'd vote for the man thereafter? No Frenchman, that's for sure, and he knew it. So he never gave him the chance, disappearing quietly into the Pyrenees within days, fading from history forever. A friend of mine was the best guitarist I ever met despite the fact that he told me, the one and only time I heard him play, that he was rusty and it had taken him a year to get back to where he was before he quit. When I asked him why he'd done so, he told me he got so fed up with being on the road that if one more drunk asked him to do Proud Mary, he'd unplug on the spot and call it quits. When the inevitable happened, he took off for the bush, where he stayed ever since, smoking weed and carving intricate faces in tiny rocks, which he sprinkles about on the beach. Back when I started teaching, I was told by the locals to never go out to the reserve because I could wind up getting my nuts cut off with a rusty tin can. But I ignored the advice and went out one day to get drunk, eat pork chops, flirt with the girls, and fire some rounds off into the bush from the porch. My hosts were the family of the toughest Indian kid in school, who'd somehow taken a shine to me and insisted I come out to party. By the time I got there, I'd already managed to get myself half-tanked, so I didn't notice Mom had put the clown on good manners alert the teacher is coming. Gord had told me to just unlax and have fun like it was my own place, so I cracked a beer, fished a chop out of the skillet, and lit up a smoke, simultaneously. By the time I got down to sucking the bone, I noticed the place was preternaturally silent. Then I noticed everyone was dressed in their Sunday finery, sober, clean, and seated about an immaculately set table complete with a bowl of freshly picked flowers. On every face, from the youngest to the eldest, was written the same puzzled thought, Jesus aged Christ. Ain't this guy got any fucking manners?